Well, as we know, today is Celebration Sunday. It is an amazing privilege for us as children of God to be able to celebrate the victory of our Lord Jesus Christ. We know that on Friday, as I said before, he was crucified. Yesterday, he was buried. But today was a day of resurrection. And the title of the word that I want to share before I pray and I go into this word is called Character Resurrection. We're going to look at some scriptures today. And as we look at these scriptures, we know that resurrection is about something that was dead coming back to life. And sometimes as we live our lives and we go through different things, things that we know in our relationship with God that should be alive, at times they can be lifeless. They can become dead. It could be your prayer life. It could be spending time reading God's word. It could be just behaving in a way that you know that is godly. And because sometimes we don't get into the habit of doing those things, they can become lifeless. But see, God's character is a character that is the example that we look to. And as I said, the title of this word is called Character Resurrection. My prayer is that God will resurrect our character in every way to be just like our Lord Jesus. And in every situation that we face, that Jesus' character becomes our own character. No matter what we face, that we don't look to a situation and respond based on how we feel, based on what the world may, may uh, guide, but we do it based on the fact that our character is Christ's character. So let me pray and then I'll go into this word. Father, we want to thank you for the privilege of hearing your word this morning. I pray that you will use me as your mouthpiece to share this word as we recognize this day, Resurrection Sunday, a day that you will bring back to life those things in our lives that may have been dead or lifeless. We decree and we declare your resurrection power be released over and upon us in the name of Jesus. So Father, I pray, prepare the hearts of your people as they receive this word. Cause our character to be like yours. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. You know, one of the things that I find so inspiring about the story about Jesus' death and resurrection is simply about God's endurance, Jesus' endurance, which comes back to his character. Jesus went through so many things on the build-up to his uh, uh, crucifixion and eventual resurrection. It's interesting that Jean-Marc, when he was talking about his issue with his neighbor, I don't know what the detail was, but as we are born in this, created in this world and we're in this flesh, there's such a tendency when someone does something to us that we don't like, to just react and respond out of how you feel, out of your emotions. But when you go through the story of the build-up of Jesus dying on the cross, you will read what he faced. You will read the way he was abused the way he was betrayed, the way he was lied about, the way he was beaten and spat on, all these things. If one of those things happened to any one of us, you know, I, what did I, I saw something yesterday, I was watching a film, I think it was, and this guy spat in someone else's face. And the way the person reacted <laughs> was they were ready to kill the person. That's just one of the things that Jesus had to endure as he was preparing to die for us. 
But we're going to look at how he responded to those things. And my prayer is that as we go through this, that we will then be able to see our character and align our character with how Jesus' character is and how he wants us to be so that God will resurrect our character. So we recognize that we're, we're thanking God today that he rose again. But we're also thanking God that the Lord will resurrect us to have a character that is just like Jesus' character. Amen? Character resurrection. Let me start by saying this to every single one of us here. Never give up. No matter what you are facing, no matter what is happening in your life, I want to encourage you to never give up. You will have every reason to look at your situation and be like, you know what? I, I just, I don't have the energy. I cannot, I just can't do it anymore. But God is saying to you this morning, never give up. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what anybody has said, whether the doctor has said something, whether your, your teacher has said something, whether your boss has said something, whether your, your spouse or your children have said something, that to you, when you hear it, you're thinking, that's it. Let me just give up and quit. God is saying to you, do not give up. Please, turn to your neighbor, turn to someone next to you and say to them, do not give up. I noted a couple weeks ago when I shared, I spoke about the word from Prophet Kingsley, um, the, the prophet who shared during the anniversary service. And I think it was on a Friday, he mentioned something that really just changed my, didn't change it, but it just reminded me as, as to who we are. The Bible says that we are sons of God. He's not talking about a literal son as in a male son, but by inheritance, we are bona fide children of God. And as a child of God, you have privileges. You have rights because you are a child of God. Think of it like this. If you were, uh, let's say, uh, in, uh, had, a, had a direct relationship with the queen, there are things that the royal family can do because they are part of the royal family. doesn't matter what they may have done before, doesn't matter who they have engaged with or whatever. By virtue of the fact that they are related to the queen, there are things that they can just do automatically. They can go places automatically, ticket or no ticket. They can go there. Doors open automatically because of who they are related to. And I want to remind each and every one of us here that as children of God, we have the same but 10 billion times more as a child of God. There are things that we don't have to accept because of who you are. Sometimes the doctor will come and you'll go for a visit and the doctor will give you some news. But you don't have to accept what the doctor is saying if it's, if it's contrary to the word of God because we know that the Bible says that by his stripes we were healed. By his stripes. Remember? Friday, 2,000 plus years ago, Jesus received those stripes on the way to being crucified. If you've watched Passion of the Christ, which I think I've only watched once, You'll see the graphic nature of how those stripes came about. The whip had lead, lead pieces at the end. So it wasn't just any old uh, whips he was receiving. His flesh was being ripped from his body. 
as he was being as he was being whipped with with, with these those whips. And that's where the stripes came from. But the Bible says that by his stripes we are what? We are healed. So that is the truth of God's word. And that is what we hold on to. So as children, as sons of God, we have, by virtue of being a son, we have healing. We have his power. We have his authority. There are things that the enemy will try to throw to us that at times you see them and you become discouraged. I can't do this anymore. It's too much. In your mind, you may not say it verbally, but in your mind you're saying, I can't do it. But God is reminding you, you have the power. You have the authority to look back at that thing and say, sickness, disease, I curse you. You have to go in the name of Jesus. I forgot to mention this about a month or so ago. I was, um, I was showering. I finished showering. Did my usual stuff when I shower and came out, etc. And as I was finishing, I recognized that there was a lump somewhere. I won't say where, but there was a lump. And as soon as I, I recognized that lump, I thought, hmm, you know what? This isn't necessarily for me, but I feel that this is, this is some, someone also has a lump and they are panicking, they're fearful because this lump may mean whatever. So as soon as I, 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 I recognize I identified this lump, I prayed specifically. I said, lump, you must go right now. Whatever source, whatever connection with any cancer or any form of infirmity, I curse you in the name of Jesus. And that was it. I prayed. I left it. I went about my business. And to be fair, I forgot about that whole thing. Until a month later, I had spoken to a couple of people. And they reminded me because they went through a similar thing. And as I gave them the word that I prayed, interestingly, they were saying that as soon as they even went and did their own checkup, that they were at peace. Because part of my prayer was that whoever this relates to also, let them receive your peace. And I left it in like that. And when I spoke to this person, they were saying exactly the same thing. That they were initially, yes, they were concerned. They were scared. They went, they got a checkup, etc. They the doctor did what they needed to do. But they're at peace. And I'm saying that to say that this is the authority that we have. That whenever things come our way, no matter what it is, as a son of God, don't just sit back and receive and accept. Because you have authority. You have power. So use the power that God has given to you and declare and speak the word of God over your situation. Never accept what the devil throws at you. Never accept it. We thank God for all the prophetic words that we have all received. But the reality is that there are many words that God has spoken over different ones that to date have not come to pass yet. So my declaration upon all of you is that none of you would, will leave this earth without any, without all of those prophetic words coming to pass. You will see them before you leave this earth. But you have to remember who you are. And you have to speak the word over your situation. Because anything that, that the Lord gives to you, the enemy is not just going to sit there and allow you to enjoy that thing. He will bring everything and anything to oppose you and to stop you from receiving the very thing that he has in store. So please let me remind you, you are sons of God.
You are a son of God. Every one of you is a son of God. He has given you power and authority. We sang the song, Victory Belongs to Jesus. He's already, the victory has already been established. But we need to make sure that in how we live, we live knowing that that victory has been given to us. So we live in that understanding, in that reality. Amen? The Bible says in Romans chapter 12 that we have the mind of Christ. God's mind is also our mind. Everything in the way that he, he reasons and the way that he thinks, we have access to that as well. But at the same time, we have access to God's character, the character of Jesus, which I mentioned before. Do you remember the Bible says that whilst we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Whilst we were sinners. So that means that whilst we were, we, we were in rebellion to God, whilst we, were, we demonstrated hate towards him, whilst we spat in his face, maybe not literally, but in, in terms of how we behave, whilst we abused him and neglected him, turned our back on him, in all that negative situation, the Bible says, he died for us. He made the ultimate sacrifice when we were in a state of rebellion towards him. Now let me ask you, when was the last time that you, you demonstrated love and grace towards somebody who showed hatred towards you? Maybe you've done it recently or maybe you've never ever done it at all. But this is the character of our Lord Jesus. That whilst we were yet sinners, the Bible says he chose. Remember it was a choice. He chose to die for us because of his love for us. And that ties in with the famous scripture, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only. He didn't have a number of sons that thought, you know what, let me just choose son number, number, number five. Let, them, let, let, let that one be the one to sacrifice. Bible says he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him shall not die but have everlasting life. You cannot beat that sacrifice. You cannot. And the Bible says that this was the sacrifice that was once and for all. No more of these Old Testament sacrifices where you sin and you had to kill a goat or a lamb and, and then pray, get the high priest to come in and pray over it, etc. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice once and for all. And we thank God that through his sacrifice, that we have the life that God wants us to live. Amen? So right now, I want us to just look at some, I'm gonna, I want us to read a portion of scripture. And before we read it, I want you guys to just do this. Put yourself in the position of Jesus. I want us to do like a role reversal right now. Put yourself in his position as we read these scriptures. Because sometimes we read, a lot. Of, even with me, I read the Bible a lot of the time. And when I read it, at times I read it and my mind is somewhere else. And I'm not engaging with what I'm reading. So as I'm reading through it, it's not really touching me in the way that I guess the Lord wants it to. But I want to encourage you right now, put yourself in the position of Jesus. As we are reading this scripture, these scriptures. If Peter can help me, is, is the, um, the audible mic, is it, is it working? Peter? 
the, uh, the cordless one? It's not working. Okay. Please, yeah. I already asked two of the youth to help me to read out. So we're going to read uh, from Luke chapter 22. We're going to read from verse 1 to 30. If my dear Mr. Man Freddie can come, go back to you. Can, if you can get the microphone to Freddie. So I did say to Freddie that there's going to be a cordless mic, but uh, <coughs> it looks it's like the mic's not working. Maybe you can, if you can stretch it so just um, Freddie can sit near the front. Okay. All right, so if we can put it up on the screen from Luke chapter 22. We're going to read from verse 1 to 30. Remember, please, as we're reading it, put yourself in the position of our Lord Jesus. All right? Okay, Freddie, go for it. Verse 1. The, first, the festival of unleavened bread. The festival of unleavened bread, which is also called Passover, was approaching. Okay, yeah, verse 2. The leading priests and teachers of religious law were plotting how to kill Jesus, but they were afraid of the people's reaction. Okay, quickly stop there. All right, so... These guys were plotting to kill Jesus, remember? So Jesus knew, obviously he knows everything, could be Jesus. He knew that they were plotting to kill him. All right, so remember, this is your, 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 your Jesus now. People are trying to kill or take your life, all right? So think about how your reaction would be. Okay, um, verse 3. The sin, then Satan and the... Then Satan entered into Jesus Iscariot, mm -hmm. who Judas. was one of the twelve disciples. Mm -hmm. And he went to the leading priests and captains of the temple guard to discuss the best way to betray Jesus to them. Mm -hmm. They were delighted, and they promised to give him money. Verse 6. So he agreed to and began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. So they could arrest him when the con when the crowds weren't around. Okay, stop there. All right. So we know G uh, Judas was handpicked by Jesus as one of his disciples. Remember, he wasn't just a disciple; he was a friend. His own friend, he knew was going to betray him. So you think about the last time that your own friend, someone that you, someone close to you someone that you've confided in, that you've done all these things together, that they betrayed you. But yet, Jesus did not hold it against them. Okay, verse 7, continue. Now the festival of unleavened bread, when, when the Passover lamb is sacrificed, mm -hmm. Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, go and prepare the Passover meal so that we can eat it together. Mm -hmm. Verse 9. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked him. He replied, mm -hmm. As soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him at the house he enters. 11, yep. Say to the owner, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? Mm -hmm. 12, yep. He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. 
they went, they went off to the city and found everything just as Jesus had said. And they prepared the Passover meal there. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. Okay, stop there. All right, so now Jesus is with his friends now. Remember, they're not just his disciples, they're his friends. He said he was eager, he says, to eat the meal with you before my suffering begins. This is Jesus demonstrating, again, an element of vulnerability. When you're going through things and you, you, you know that things are negative per se, the counsel of friends, the comfort of friends does something. When you're battling with something and you, you're able to share it amongst your friends, you know that there's an element of, of encouragement and support, etc., that you receive. And this is what Jesus was aiming at here. Remember, we're looking at his character, okay? Verse 16. Freddie, read on, thanks. For I tell you that, for I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until mm -hmm. its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this and share it amongst yourselves. Mm -hmm. For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. Mm -hmm. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Mm -hmm. After the supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, mm -hmm. an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Okay, quickly stop there. All right, so we know this, communion. We, use it, we quote this scripture when we're doing communion, etc. many times. But look at the background. Again, mentally, he knows that his death is approaching. But he wants the comfort of his friends. And as part of that, he's using communion to get them to remember that when I go, this is what you do. You remember that my body was broken, you take the bread. You remember that my blood is going to be shed, you take the wine. So this is Jesus setting up what we're doing now. So what's taking place now is obviously what, is what we're doing thousands of years later. But in that moment, at that time, remember Jesus is, is, is preparing himself to be crucified. But yet, in doing what he's doing, he's showing grace. And at the same time, you know, he's doing it amongst his friends, his peers, which I'll come back to in a minute. Okay, verse 21. But here, at the, but here at this table, sitting among us, is sitting among us, a friend is the man who will betray me. Mm -hmm. For it has been determined that the Son of Man must die. Mm -hmm. But what sorrows await the one who betrays him? The disciples began to ask each other, which of them would do ever such a thing. Mm -hmm. Then they began to argue amongst themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Okay, stop there. So see how the conversation has changed. So one minute they're talking about who's betrayed, who's the one, because Jesus made it very clear. One of you is going to betray me. So these are his friends, remember, not just his disciples. So they were focusing on and arguing which one of us is the person that betrayed Jesus. But then they switched from betraying Jesus to which one of us is going to be the greatest. So this is Jesus hearing and seeing all this. 
thinking, okay, how would you think? You're getting ready to die. Your friends, one minute they're talking about uh, who, which one of us is going to betray or will betray Jesus. And then within the same second of that conversation, they're talking about, okay, which one of us is going to be the greatest? So again, Jesus' character. Did he respond? Did he get up and say, you guys are a disgrace? You're supposed to be my friends. No, let's continue. Verse 25. Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and great men lord over their people, yet they are called friends of the king. But among you, it will be different. Mm -hmm. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, mm -hmm. and the leader should be like a servant. Mm -hmm. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or, th or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I, for I am among you as the one who serves. Yeah, let me stop there. Okay. So Jesus is demonstrating to us about the role of a servant. He made it very clear to them. Forget about arguing about who's the greatest. Because the greatest is the one who serves. Because we know that Jesus came to serve, not to be served. Again, his character. Humbling himself and recognizing and showing to his own disciples that the key about God's kingdom, one of the main keys is about being a servant, serving concerning the, the kingdom of God. Okay, Freddie, continue. You have stayed with me in my time of trial. And just as my father has granted me a kingdom, I now grant you the right to eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. Mm -hmm. And you will sit on thrones, judging the 12 tribes of, the of, of Israel. Okay. 31. To eat, oh, 31. Oh, sorry, 30, sorry. To eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and you will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Mm -hmm. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift, has asked to sift each. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. Mm -hmm. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith shall not fail. Mm -hmm. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Mm -hmm. Peter said, Lord, I am ready to Peter said, Lord, I am ready to go to prison with you mm -hmm. and even to die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Okay, let me stop there. So again, this is his friends. When was the last time your friend denied knowing you? Anybody? I recall a, a, a situation that uh, <laughs> someone that we know, as in myself and Lynette, uh, decided to deny knowing uh, Lynette. I won't go into detail, but uh, not just once, but I think it was even three or four times that the person denied knowing them. And we knew that they knew her. The reason why only the person can explain, but I remember when myself and Lynette were discussing this, naturally Lynette was like, mm, she wasn't happy with the person. But Jesus was denied. He knew. It wasn't that it just happened spur of the moment. Jesus told Peter, you are going to deny me. 
I already know. I wanted Pete to do. Rather than knowing, recognizing that this is, is Jesus, the man, but it's also the son of God. Rather than uh, Peter recognizing, actually, you know what? You're, you're, you're a man, but you're God. Let me just apologize. What did Peter do? He, didn't, he said, there's no way I could ever deny you, Lord. No way. But look what happened. But again, did Jesus hold this against Peter? Did he say to him, because you have denied me, you have no business advancing my kingdom? Did he say that? No, he didn't. Okay, verse 35. Then Jesus asked him, then Jesus asked them, when I sent you out to preach the good news and you did not have money, a traveler's bag, or an extra pair of sandals, did you need anything? No, they replied. But now, he said, take your money and the traveler's bag, and if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. For the time has come for this prophecy about me to be fulfilled. Amen. Time is going. So let me just quickly stop there. You're talking about the time has come for this prophecy to be fulfilled. In the Old Testament, many prophecies about the Savior coming, dying on the cross, and rising again. This was him. This was his priest. So he knew. And the Bible says that the time had come for the prophecy about me to be fulfilled. This is part of the obedience when it comes to when God gives you a word. It's so important that when you receive an instruction from God, the Holy Spirit may speak to you about something, or you may open God's word and see something that you know that that is God speaking to you. Obedience to the word of God is key. If you do not obey when God speaks, you are in a position where you are stopping God from doing what he wants to do. And sometimes the thing to obey may seem so contrary. It may seem against what you would normally do. But the key is to obey anyway, regardless. Even if that obedience makes you look like a fool in front of somebody. Even that makes you may, may feel embarrassing to go and say something to somebody or do something to somebody. Or no matter how it looks, I want to encourage you to obey the word of God. Amen. Time is up. Thank you, Freddie, for that. I want us to quickly stand because we don't have time to go through all the scriptures here. We're talking about the resur character resurrection. And my prayer this morning is that as we've gone through the scriptures, I know we didn't have enough time to go through all of them, that God would have spoken to you about elements of your relationship with God and your character that you know that you need the Lord to breathe a fresh life into. As I said, it could be your prayer life, it could be reading the word. It could be areas of maybe challenges with uh, uh, um, maybe not telling the truth in certain areas. But no matter what it is, my prayer is that God will breathe new life and resurrect your character to be like the character of our Lord Jesus. One thing for sure is this, Things ahead are coming. There are things that are going to come in your life whereby how you respond to those things is going to be so important. And if your character is not yielded to how God's, the Lord's character is, we are going to have some very challenging times ahead. But yet you don't have to if your character reflects our Lord's character. 
So right now, I want you to lift your hands and I want to just pray over you that the Lord will bring resurrection power to your character. That not only will you have the mind of Christ, but every element of your character will be like his. That when people deny you, that you will turn the other way. You will not hold it against them, but you will show grace and mercy to them. When people are plotting against you, whether it's to take your life completely, or whether it's to stop you from progressing, whether it's to cause you to not receive that promotion, or those of us young people who are studying, your teachers may be plotting to stop you from progressing in your studies, in whatever way. My prayer is that your character will not be to go and to attack them back, but instead that you will apply grace and you will commit them into God's hand. So Father, as these hands are raised, I commit your children before you. We thank you that today we celebrate your resurrection. But I also pray that, Lord, that we receive resurrection to our character. That, Lord, our character will be like yours in every situation. That, Lord, God, we will respond as led by your spirit in the name of Jesus. We pray that, Lord, that you will breathe life into us. That where fear has been there, it must bow in the name of Jesus. Where death, premature death has attempted to come, it must bow in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray that as we stand on your word and as we look to you, that Lord, that we will stand as sons of you. And that we will use the authority and the power that you have given to us to stand in every situation. So, Father, reignite that character of you within us right now. Reignite it, O oh God, so that every, in every situation that we would honor you, that we would bless you, and we would praise your name. So, Father, we give you thanks and we give you praise. We thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Father. If we continue to keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I want to pray for anyone here specifically who you recognize that there is a particular area in your life that you know that is dead. Dead is in there's no life and you want there to be life. You know that there should be life, but you recognize that it is dead. If that's you, I just want to pray with you that whatever that area is, that again, that the Lord will breathe his life. This is a very specific prayer. You recognize that there are specific areas or maybe one area. You know that there should be life, but there isn't. It's lifeless. It's dead. And you want the Lord to breathe new life into that area. If that's you again, just signify by raising your hand. I want to pray a specific prayer that God will breathe fresh life in that area. So, Father, you see these ones with their hands raised. And I pray that, Lord God, as I join my faith with them, that you will breathe new life right now into that area. In the name of Jesus, I come against and I curse every opposition and every scheme of the enemy to bring death in that area, to remain lifeless. I bind you. And, Lord, I speak right now. Your life, your resurrection power be released into those areas by the power of your spirit. I decree and declare that, Lord, that these ones will walk in your victory right now, that they will walk in your resurrection power, and that all glory shall be given to you. So, Lord, I thank you that it is done, just as you said it was done on the cross. With this prayer, it is done for your people. So, Father, we thank you, and we praise your name in the name of Jesus. Amen.